When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What about you? Sorry? If you could go anywhere in the whole world, where would you go? I always want to be part of something bigger. I love that answer. Something that lasts, that means something. Something yes. more important than life. Yes. It's written in the stars. I am a star. If I had money, I would only spend it on things that were fun, you know? Not boring things like taxes. I'm just one for everyone to party forever. Da, 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 da. You sound insane. You realize that? Oh, yeah. The whole world got crazy. Seriously? It's showtime. It's 2023, so welcome back in to another year of Mad About Movies. It's going to be the 10th anniversary of the show this year. Really excited about it. So. Make sure you stay tuned, stay subscribed to the show for a lot of really fun stuff that we got coming out in 2023. But we're still wrapping up 2022 when it comes to the movie side of things. Got a lot of movies that kind of came out towards the end of last year that are still coming out in the beginning of this year and are finishing up their theatrical runs before we fully dive into the offerings of 2023, which are a plenty. Fellas, there are plenty. Plenty. It's a good word. Good word. Excited about what we got coming out this year. All the talks we're going to have. It's going to be a really good, fun time. Very excited about this episode, though, because Mm. it comes from one of my favorite directors. If you listen to our favorite director's episode, spoiler alert, Damien Chazelle was on the list for me. So always really anticipate a new film. Behind UA Bowl, right? In front of UA Bowl. Mm -hmm. But behind Louis Lettier. Right, mm-hmm. right in the sweet spot. <laughs> the um, thing about this one, though, and a lot of expectations, you know, going in. I think from from a financial studio standpoint, and eighty million, uh, man. Certainly, I guess we can start here, guys, with the box office return, the reception of Babylon, five million, five million dollars through the Babylon four day opening weekend. I, I would have. I don't know, predicted 25 at least. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's certainly disappointing um, for them, for everybody, I guess, involved with that that production. Uh, I guess it's not the end of the story because it is still out and uh, can still make money, but looks to be a, a flop from the uh, financial side of things. And uh, I'm wondering why that is because this one, Brad Pitt, you know, had, kind of had the movie star stuff to it. It's not like a hard sell, I guess, for for the movie nerds, even though I think at large this movie is for movie nerds. But I, I think it has the star power that, that most people, I guess, look for when they're looking for something to to see. Yeah, I guess I thought it would have more of a wide appeal just given the fact that it's a big Brad Pitt movie at Christmas. Like, 
that alone should make $20 million, right? Regardless of good, bad, Mm. (laughs) indifferent, whatever it is, just by the fact that it exists, I feel like it should make money. Like it has to be actively, actively bad to make five, to to do that bad. It feels like, right? It's, uh, yeah, it's not not great. (laughs) I mean, it's, so I, I feel like all three of us probably um, live in two worlds. We have our our kind of online presence of, um, you know, male models. Yeah, yeah, a very movie centric, film culture centric, um, mad about movies people. And then we live our life where we watch, you know, Brian and I watch a lot of basketball and Kent, you know, works in, in NFL media and all of these things. And and we kind of live in both. And, and I only learned about this or like was promoted this film in my Mad About Movies on the apps of which I am a Mad About Movies, Richard, and not that I'm normal, you know, dude in Dallas, Richard. So I don't think this was promoted very well. Um, So like the Brad Pitt movie, whatever, is like, sure. I mean, yeah, but if no one knows about it, you know, if if a tree falls in the woods, does anyone hear it? So I will give it a little bit of credit on that, that it might have been a marketing error. But also, I do think you guys have heard me say this, and I'm not even going to go on long. I I just think it's over, guys. I think these theaters are going to start closing up. I... and. there will be theaters for sure that show summer movies and things like that. But I think the idea of winter Oscar movie making $60 million is like done. I just think COVID and okay. Netflix. And I think this is the winter where we learn that lesson. And we just say, let's put that money into Top Gun and let's put that money into other stuff, even Marvel, whatever. But like, I don't think award style adult dramas about the film industry, they can still exist. They can still be tent poles for a streamer. They can still be a line item that is a good thing for filmmakers and studios. I do not think they can be revenue generating things in a ticket buying universe anymore. Yeah, that's an interesting perspective that this might be, ironically, you know, what this movie subject matter is about, you know, a sign of the industry more than at large, more than a, um, I don't know. Yeah. A, I don't put a, that. I don't put this, put it on the movie success itself. at this movie itself. At right. All. I really don't. I really, really don't. An indication on the movie. Uh, of the movie yeah. Itself, a little bit yeah. on the marketing. I think the marketing was a little too movie nerd centric, right? If you host a movie podcast <laughs> for the last 10 years, you're going to get ads and stuff for this. But if you don't, you don't even, I mean, I don't even think my wife knows this exists. And she's would love to see a Brad Pitt movie. Yeah, I think my sure. wife only knew it existed because uh, she went to the movies with me earlier this year, and we saw Nope. And uh, it was the, I, that was the first time I had seen the trailer. <laughs> cool, your marriage is great. Cool, dude. Thanks for bragging. Honestly, this was the 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 uh, uh, she she did go with me to see this one um, because the trailer you know appealed to her and appeals to people. I guess like yeah. us that, that kind of dig that for sure that movie niche stuff. But like, yeah, it's hard for me to find a movie that, you know, is like, like, Hey, let's get, let's get a bunch of people and go, go see this. You know, most of this is like 
okay, honey, you go do your movie nerd thing. I'll be here yeah. <laughs> living, living a yeah. normal life. So no, I, this yeah. one didn't really change much except for the fact, I guess, probably Brad Pitt attracted her the sure. most to it. I don't blame her. Attracted I mean, we too. sat down in the theater and Lindsay goes, what is this movie about? I mean, she had no, it was like, oh yeah, sure, I'll go see this. She didn't know anything. And I, yeah, I don't know how much, how well it was marketed to her. Um, I'm not quite ready to go as far as Arby is on it, it's over, it's done. Um, I I want to see what makes me lean that direction though is that is the in the the ten years that we've been doing this show and the let's say ten years before that that I was really paying attention to the movie industry, not just seeing movies and stuff. Um, this industry learns lessons so slowly and um and and badly. You know, it 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 pretty much always feels like. Here are the five lessons that could be learned from yeah. situation X. And they're like, cool, what about this one? You're like, no, 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 that's not that's not one. No, 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 that's what we're running with, you know. It, right. Well, Deadpool made a lot of money, so probably comic book movies need to be rated R, right? Like, no, that's not that wasn't the point, you know. Um right. they're very slow to pick up on what the market right. and the audience is is telling them. And so that makes me nervous. I I guess I have a little bit of hope that given what we've all been through over the last three years, that there's some remaining, um, there's like a remnant of the, the pre COVID that is like going into all of these decisions. And we're, we're kind of at the end of it now, like movies, yeah. Even this, I, I think even through maybe through next year or at least some of next year, you're still going to be having movies that come out that were um, put into some level of pre-production before COVID started. And I don't just mean like Marvel's had Ant-Man planned for 10 years, you know, or stuff like that. There's going to be um, movies outside of of that level uh, of, of, of franchise that has been in something something in production for pre-production for for a long time but we're we're kind of at the point where we're mostly through that stuff and what lessons are you going to to learn from this i i still feel like the bigger takeaway maybe less so to me anyway than we just the public just doesn't see movies like this anymore is you can't spend $80 million on a three and a half hour. <laughs> I don't even know how to describe epic uh, about 1920s yeah. Hollywood. You can't do it. And the marketing for the Fablemans was terrible. Right? And all the, of these things, you know, we, 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 we reviewed there will be blood last week on, on the VIP and that movie got made for $25 million. And so yeah. even with inflation, like, the budget for yeah. this movie has to be 40, 40. Yeah. I was like 40 tops. And look, if, if, if this is paramount, right? If paramount wants to throw away money on this and not worry about whether, how much of it they bring back, that's totally fine. But we all know, I think that's the thing that we're, that we're kind of getting at here. Cause we will get occasional like emails or tweets being like, well, who cares about the business side of it? You know, all that kind of stuff. Because when this movie does poorly, it just killed five other movies probably, you know, like it's not, or, or sent five other movies to Netflix as a Put series. Damien Chazelle know? on the, yeah. I mean, you only get certain, you know, the credibility to say, right. I have right. a, a theater exclusive movie, go see it. 
Yeah. So many times these days. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Before just, you got to go to Netflix to even get your movie made. Yeah. So to like, to wrap up that and we can, we can keep talking. The, I, I think you're right. I think you're right in that it's more, it is a lot about the industry. I do think that some of it is this movie. This is a very hard sell for uh, the average audience and to put it out on Christmas. Like, what are we doing guys? Like this is, there's no family that's like, hey, all right, we've opened the presents. All right, let's head to the theater and go see Babylon. Like that, that was <laughs> clearly that didn't happen because the movie made five million dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't. I just think that this is a really tough sell to mass audiences, in spite of Brad Pitt and Margot Robbie, um, who are two you know great, huge movie stars and legitimate and great actors and all this sort of stuff. Like I get the concept of. We're going to do this big movie. And in order to make this work, we're going to put Brad Pitt and Margot Robbie in the movie. And that's mm-hmm. going to help sell it. But it's but that's also, what brings it up to 40 to 80. Yeah, I know. Exactly. And it's still so it's it like, still a, a three and a half hour movie yep. uh, that's that content wise is a really hard sell for. Yep. Yeah, it's a hard R audience. It's a real hard yeah. R. Yeah. I'm surprised it's even an R. I mean, it could probably could have probably gotten an NC-17. Sure. Uh, yeah. In a lot of areas. To, to the point of you know spending eighty million, while it is a different thing, you know it is more of a PG thirteen. La La Land did make four hundred thirty million dollars, so mm-hmm. I feel like they probably were like, oh, we have Brad Pitt this time, uh, you know, we'll at least make half that, you know, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Probably make two hundred million dollars, so we can spend less than a hundred and still probably do mm-hmm. probably do okay yeah. on this thing. Right. And um and and have all the excess and all the awards push and all that. I think it's more about an awards push and them putting it out in December than like this is your Christmas movie to go see, you know? It's like I, I think this was Paramount's like here's our four year consideration release of the year. And uh, even though ironically they're probably gonna get more love with Top Gun Maverick at the end of the day. For sure. At the Oscars yeah. and uh, movies of the year lists and things like that than they will with Babylon, which is which is funny mm-hmm. because you make a, a movie like Top Gun so that you can make Babylon yeah. and spend eighty million on these uh, passion project type movies. So yeah, um, let's get into the movie though because this is uh, although different than anything Chazelle has done, it's very similar, also tonally, uh, you know, thematically than than his previous movies. I mean, you know, this is a three a three plus hour thing, and it feels like every bit like it. I mean, it feels like a so long man. Gosh, it it yeah. felt like I don't know Lawrence of Arabia or something like that, where you're For it's sure. just an it epic. It's it just such yeah. a long story, uh, and um, I'm not sure why that is. Why they couldn't cut it down? Um, you know, I, I think. The three hours, I think it's good stuff. You know, there's not a lot that I would completely remove that could, you know, add any significant, you know, take any significant time off. So, um, because I think a lot of the best moments are these extended sequences, these extended scenes that really play out over, you know, 20 minutes rather than cut from scene, one minute scene to one minute scene to one minute scene. And so it's built not really in a way where you can cut it down. And so that's fine. Um, it is what it is. It's a movie about excess is excessively long. 
it's excessively mm-hmm. everything. Um, and I think, you know, that's the point in a lot of ways, but what was your anticipation like for this, Brian, going into it and general thoughts on Babylon? Yeah. Um, Babylon. <laughs> really high, uh, up to a, a, about the last like few weeks when we really got to look at the movie and I was like, Oh, I'm not sure that was exactly what I thought it was going to be. And then, you know, like I always say, like, I don't ever read reviews, but I'll vaguely be aware of like kind of where it's sitting on Rotten Tomatoes, you know, just, just as a, Hey, how's this doing? Um, especially if Lindsay, go- Lindsay will always be like, Hey, what, how's it doing? You know, what's, what are the reviews? I'm like, eh, it's mid seventies or whatever. This like kind of hovered around the, the fresh rotten mark coming in, um, so I love Chazelle. I don't love Chazelle what as much is the as, as you do. Rotten King. Tomatoes. Let me look. Let me look at it up. Yeah, Hold I think on. it was like 60, I didn't even, 63 didn't even know maybe. Yeah, what it was. I thought critics would hate this after leaving it. I was like, oh, that's gonna not mm-hmm. do well with the critics. Um, yeah, but continue. Fifty five. Okay, mm, yeah, that's okay. worse than so I thought. It dropped even a little more. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I I was I love Chazelle. I was looking forward to to the movie when it was announced that this is what he was doing and. These are the people involved and all that kind of stuff. Um, the trailer left me feeling like, oh, I'm not sure how this is all going to play mm-hmm. out. And then yeah. you get the runtime and all of these things. And it, it was a little Baz Luhrmann-y with the trailer, for mm-hmm. sure. I don't yeah, know why they focus so yeah. much on, it's just Margot Robbie doing coke. And here's a giant party with an elephant. See, and that's okay, the movie. Now, because that's like very, that's the first 20 minutes, really. Yeah. I mean, let's be honest. You you say hey okay this movie's very long but I don't really know what they would cut down I think it's two different movies and I think that's the problem it's mm. the whole the whole the, the whole Babylon concept and um and and the books that it, it's drawing from and all this sort of stuff and the and the debauchery and the crazy party and the twelve seconds into the movie here's a whole bunch of of elephant elephant diarrhea <laughs> you know and. You, two minutes in that's a golden shower and all of this stuff okay and then throughout the movie just like our podcast yeah you have this stuff sort of um intersecting with the main story for for the three the three characters the three main characters um that's a completely different movie than what than than what margot robbie brad pitt and um oh shoot i'm sorry i had his name and then i totally forgot uh diego calva that's a completely different movie to me than what um the the those three characters by the way three characters that i actually really liked and i thought there's some great acting in this from from all three of them and and from some of the supporting cast i thought it was a really well acted movie yeah absolutely. um and it was beautiful it's well shot and all this sort of stuff it 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 feels like how would i how would i explain it it, it felt like we've got these three interesting characters. Now we have to figure out how to like have their stories interconnect and like right. what medium through which to tell their stories. I've got it. It the most debauchery you could ever put on, on screen in an R rated movie. And then every time it would kind of like get some momentum because also I think the stuff about like the filmmaking side of things is awesome. I thought it was so well done um, on that front, especially, you know, telling, how how movies are made at an era where we don't we don't really have movies about movies from that era all that much. I thought it was really interesting and very well done. And 
every single time it started to catch some momentum on that fort, it was like, cool, now it's time for a party. Woohoo! You know, here's all this crazy stuff that's yeah. happening. And it's like borderline the, the Fairly Brothers level of of gross out stuff. And I it it just it I thought that there was a massive disconnect between the two sides of the movie, and that ultimately makes it um, a pretty frustrating watch for me, I think. Yeah, Richard, uh, go ahead. I guess can, you can take it where Brian left off. As someone who really enjoys watching uh, dynamic, you know, sort of uh, kinetic performances, this movie hits all those boxes. It, it certainly, you know, it's it crushes that. Um, and, and Chazelle directs the crap out of those and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but there's something, it, it seems like it, it, it to me, and, and this I will put at the at the feet of Chazelle, who I, I like both of you and, and I know Kent especially, I really revere, but he, I, I feel like it's, it's a film of scenes, you know? Oh, yeah. Every scene on itself is kind of cool and interesting and, and thought, you know, oh, that's interesting. I enjoyed that. But it doesn't ever build anything really worthwhile. And it, it and then you add to, as you guys know, if I've reviewed so many movies on this over 10 years, 10 years, by the way, um, when it is three and a half hours long and all it is is a collection of scenes and doesn't come together, you go, wow. You know, it makes you dislike that more. You go, what, what, what was I doing? Was that like a weird... You know, you feel like you go to your friend's improv show and they like did mm. some sketches and you go, oh, yeah, a couple of those were pretty cool. or A lot of those are pretty cool, but I was there from seven to 1030. I did not enjoy that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, sure. And you, I couldn't leave because there was 11 of us there, uh, which was more than my movie theater for this. But uh, yeah, that's how it felt. It was like. I can't really single out any mode of this as bad or untrue or unreal or not moving, but like the, the, it's the classic, the parts were all greater than the sum. Mm, Yeah. 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 I, I, I think you're definitely, you're definitely onto something there. I agree, Brian. I think you, I think you can cut out probably most of, if not all the party stuff. And I think you still got a really interesting movie. I think a lot of the character building is, there, a lot of the exposition at the beginning is kind of done around the party, at the party, meeting people. It's, an, it's a good way to to meet characters, is have introduce them to each other, you know, like literally mm-hmm. have it having that thing. And I think uh, I think that's why he played it that way. But it's such a long intro. Yeah, I mean, to hit the title card in this movie, like thirty minutes in, it's like Babylon. You're like, oh man. <laughs> This yeah. is gonna be a long one. It's like you, an, you know, I admire the the balls of that. Um, yeah, I just I didn't think it worked. <laughs> I, I thought it was like a really ambitious thing to do, uh, but it did not work. It kind of made me roll my eyes a little bit because I thought, oh, that didn't land. And ten minutes shorter, it would have been I've, great. I heard yeah. Chazelle describe it as as that that opening as as like we're gonna throw the kitchen sink at you, mm. right? instead of building up to, to it, it's just, here's what it is. You're in or you're out kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm so relieved that it really felt like it was just that intro. That was just mm. excessive partying, like, uh, you know, Bosler And then it yeah. really kind of breaks away from that. 
and tells some really interesting stuff. I, I like this movie, certainly not as much as, as his other films, but there's a lot about it that I, that I do like. There's a lot about it that I would change, but I think the love of old cinema, like I'd never known it was as deep as it is with Chazelle. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you, you see it in his, in his other movies, you know, inspired by, or the level to which he had to go to, to make this thing a reality mm. boggles my mind. We talk about how movies are made and in the process a lot. And that's what I, what interests me the most. Right. I, I can't tell you how to begin to, to do something like this. I can tell you how to begin to do avatar. Right. <laughs> He said he's he's basically been working on this for 12 years or or like he's he's been mm-hmm. doing this since pre whiplash or trying to get this off the ground and like one of his producers was like no you shouldn't do that you should do a musical and so he did la you know like la la land um so he once he got to the point to do this he had he had done so much due diligence on that era of filmmaking and you're right, Brian. I don't think there is a lot of films that shed a light on that in a in a really authentic way. And he said that during his research, like he had this picture in his mind of of what that time was like, you know, via you know whatever kind of revisionist history we have on that era. But the more he he dug into it, the more it was crazy <laughs> and insane and uh i guess he wanted to show a, a little bit of that he shows an awful lot i think he takes like a kind of a tarantino route with these characters and For it's sure. just the most miserable self-absorbed mm-hmm. crazy yeah. people you've ever met in in your life i don't think the irony is lost on him that he cast margot robbie and brad pitt in this movie who just came mm-hmm. off once upon a time yeah. in hollywood right like I think that's totally. that's certainly on purpose, um, and we'll get there towards the end on on why I really feel like that's on purpose. But um, he wanted to shed light on these characters. I think the commentary on the transition from silent to talkies is such an interesting, totally yeah, con- uh, totally. period in in movie history and. Mm-hmm. He talks about like it's almost an over it was almost an overnight thing where an entire art form becomes yes. yeah. essentially irrelevant and it's fascinating. and you have yeah. these people who have worked their entire lives to get to where they are and to make that tra- try to make that transition from the silent movies to the talkies a lot of people mm-hmm. couldn't do it and I think this sheds a lot of a lot of really interesting light on that uh, well, I can't, side of I can't be the first to make this pull, but it, it reminds me so much of Boogie Nights. Yes. Oh, yeah. You know, 100%. I mean, it's the same story in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, really. Yeah. That's good. It's the, it's the film, you know, I, I know it's much more crass with Boogie Nights where it's, mm-hmm. you know, sort of film, theatrical pornography to video, you know, mm-hmm. and that same, how that, how as weird as it is, you know, an entire industry shuttered up overnight because all of a sudden it's just home video and, and, I don't really care about plot and things right. like this. I mean, that's Giselle what was saying really about. Yeah. Uh, that, you know, silent movies were like porn back then. Like they were looked at as like the the lowest art form you could do. Sure. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. essentially it was like moving pictures that Buster Keaton came from vaudeville. His family was all from vaudeville. That's where they got famous. Once Buster Keaton was like, I'm going to do movies. His family disowned him. 
Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like that you're so low that, that we won't even associate with you. So like this pipe dream that all these uh, Hollywood people had of like going to this foreign place, I really felt, I don't know if you guys did, this movie made Hollywood feel like this island, right? This complete island of creativity mm. that's just completely separated from reality. And I don't know if it was the desolate locations that they shot in. I think that shot of Beverly Hills in 1926 was awesome, where it was just mm-hmm. a field and one road and a couple palm trees, which yep. they said they love that they pulled that from an actual photo, like that location yeah. when they were doing their research. Um, yeah. So to see L.A. like in the pre-Hollywood time, I I kind of picture this movie like Wolf of Wall Street or The Social Network, right? Where wow, okay. Hollywood is essentially a startup and you have yeah. all these people that are trying to get in on the action. Sure. Right? And what happened in the dot-com era and, you know, especially the social media era, all these company owners got super rich and super messed up <laughs> on all kinds of drugs and they all flamed out, right? Kind of happened like that in the, the infancy of Hollywood. These people were making a medium, you know, they were inventing a craft. And they were mm-hmm. doing it essentially with no experience and and kind of making it up as they went along. I thought the, I don't know, second act of the movie, what, whatever you want to call it, where they go out to Kinescope Pictures and start shooting, you know, and they had all the different sets of all the movies being shot simultaneously. Yeah. It was just unbelievable. The scale yeah. at yeah. which they had to make that happen in that one I guess, uh, you know, tracking shot of Margot yeah. kind of going in and, and experiencing that was just, just fantastic. Mm-hmm. The, um, Spike Jones cameo, American treasure. Oh yeah. my God. Well, yeah, <laughs> Unbelievable probably up. as the director. Probably up for nominee. He has yeah, to be. got to be in his fifties, right? Best comedic Definitely. performance of the year, for sure. I was for dying sure. as, at Spike Jones as the crazy film director. And the scene with Brad Pitt, like super drunk, trying to do those those sequences and him and trying to climb it. up the hill yeah. and then nailing it and having that yeah. entire, all those Crushed extras it. in the background, you know, yeah. was, yeah. was a freaking, that was freaking amazing. And Chazelle's bit of, yeah, like they just hire homeless people to be these soldiers and how he kind of focused on that a little bit of, mm-hmm. they just handed him spears and were like, go fight out there. Um, that whole, like if it, the whole movie had been that, this would be, you know, yeah. not only a favorite of the year, but a, f- a favorite of all yeah. time. If that had 100%. been the, the entire. And, and, and look, it's not called Babylon then. It's something different. Right. And you have to figure out a different setting or. Brian's like, so right with the fact that it's two movies. Yeah, it's a I great, mean, just. I hadn't thought of that. So just, smart. It, 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 you, I understand. It, it makes it feel to me to like. To the point where all of that stuff is just like a giant MacGuffin to get these three characters together. And then every once in a while, we're going to revisit it to remind you that this is like a super debaucherous, ridiculous town that that we live in, you know? Mm-hmm. It, it, it's so frustrating. It was so frustrating because that scene ruled, and that was a long scene too, the, um, the, the filmmaking sequence. The sequence where when, when she, like her first talkie... Um, might have been the funniest scene of the year to me. Like I was cackling. God, it was so good. It. it was so funny and so 
so well paced and sh- and shot and like you you can see that the, the like the first director the the ad like breaking and sweating and all the uh-huh. right. it was amazing like that was such a great sequence and these characters i actually i actually really liked all three of those characters a whole bunch and thought all the performances were great in it and then well we got to take a break from Margot Robbie to do projectile vomit all over the place you know just it's such a strange yeah but that was the only part thing. i was into yeah you you did text us about that part like yeah you were very excited about that and i stood up so in my speak. theater and lit my phone up and said i have to text my friends <laughs> i think there's this notion and you see it with with brad pitt's character a lot and i'm reminded of of the great uh american music legend from cleveland guys joe walsh you know, Joe Walsh was so into drugs and alcohol when he was uh-huh. in the Eagles and in in uh, James uh-huh. Gang mm-hmm. that like he partied himself so silly, and he said because that's what he thought being in a band was all about. Sure, was partying. Yeah. Uh-huh. Totally, totally fine to think that, right? <laughs> to to live your entire life to for this dream, and once you get there, it'd be like. This is what it's all about. I am partying. I am having a good time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there's a little bit of that with with these people in this film, right? It's like once mm-hmm. you get there, I am going crazy. You know, mm-hmm. like I yeah. think Nellie Leroy goes to that party at the beginning of the movie, and she's like, "This is what I want. This is the lifestyle for me, and I'm going to do whatever it takes to get there." Mm-hmm. And you see, I think the the third act of this, you really see it all come crashing down. I think kind of effectively, right? It's not like yeah, it's not like the partying really led to anything significant, right? It kind of essentially distracted them from the actual goal at yeah, large. She has you that know? one line where she's like, "I have a mansion. Forget the price." Ain't never been there. They tell me it's nice. Yeah. You know that mm-hmm. I live in hotels. I tear out the walls. I have accountants to pay mm-hmm. for it all. That's like kind of like straight her. Nelly Leroy, right? Yeah, <laughs> straight up. <laughs> the uh, life's been good to her. It's good, you know. It's life's been yeah, good no, so far. Life has been so good to her. So the uh, I, I I do I do think that's part of it, and um, and you know there there's certainly like a, a romanticism to that lifestyle. I think back yeah. in the day, but uh, spoiler alert. Let's get to spoilers now because there's a lot. I guess in the second half, you can't really talk about with without doing spoilers. So spoilers coming up for Babylon for the six people who saw it, other than us. Um, you see, like the excess for her character just completely take her out. Right, dead at thirty four. Her she essentially becomes a footnote. In the paper. Yeah. yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas Brad Pitt, his character, like, yeah, he was into all the partying, but I think at the end of the day, he wanted to still make his career work and be this great director. And uh, you talk about scene of the year. I, I agree with you, Brian. I think the, the uh, you know, Nelly's first scene in the talkie is, is among the greatest, best scenes of the year. But the scene with Gene Smart and Brad Pitt in this movie it's devastating. Is it's a devastating, unbelievably scene, written, yeah. great She's scene. Such a great freaking actress. And man. Gene Smart just telling it like it as the movie critic, telling it like yeah. like it is to him. Mm. Like, hey man, 
It's not your fault. It's nothing you did. So it's good. just the I'm way, so... this is the way it goes. You know, We're people's in careers end. You know, it's not, you can't do anything about it. You right. can't change it. Yeah. People will fade away. And when you're gone, people are going to look back and really like you, you mm -hmm. know, <laughs> and that's going to be awesome, you know, and gosh, what a, what a scene for Brad too, you know, and not only Gene Smart, for, but for, uh, for Brad, Jack, his character, oh, mm -hmm. man, it all, it all led up to that essentially. But yeah. No, totally. Yeah, you see how, I mean, I love, I, I really do love the, the character and the character arcs on, on these, these, not just those two, but like, um, Sidney Palmer, that's a devastating scene too. When he has to put the, you know, the face paint on, I mean, gosh, that is a, I mean, that's these rough. are really hard, difficult, beautifully put together sequences and stuff. And these characters are awesome. And, and, and all of these, all of these actors, um, are, are really going for it, but not in super showy ways. And that's something that I maybe thought was, I was a little worried about going in of like, eh, is this going to be, this is going to be too showy, like reaching for that Oscar. And it wasn't, they all, I will say, I thought Margot was pretty in. showy. I think Margo. that's just who she is. I think her, like, yeah, I her character was on Coke. So I kind of yeah. gave her the benefit of the doubt, but like she was going for it in this. <laughs> I just think that that's who she is in this, these kind. I, I don't think that Harley Quinn helps because I, it, mm. it's, it's hard. Like when she gets into her kind of Jersey accent, it's kind of hard not to see the Harley Quinn thing. Um, okay. The Harley yeah. Quinn piece, if you will. But the rest of it, I mean, other than that, and that's just, I don't know what you can do about that. But other than that, I, I, I think that, I think that her level of going for it was appropriate for what that character, who that character is and, and what she's all about. So I was with it. Um, it's like a great Brad Pitt performance. Great Brad Pitt. And oh, so good. I mean, Gene Smart's so good. And, and, and Jovan Adepo, who I've, I don't think I've ever really seen in a movie before. He was very good. And then this, this guy, Diego Calva, I, I yeah. almost going in, I wasn't, I was very nervous for him because it's like, here's this guy that we've pretty much never seen on screen before. And he's going to be sharing the screen with two of the most charismatic people in all of Hollywood at all times. That's a really difficult thing to do, to go into that setting and not just completely get overshadowed, but he held his own. He did a great job. It was awesome acting, great character arcs, all of these, these things that, um, and, and to have each of those, those four characters, especially all of them end up having like, awful endings to their stories in some way or another, but, but, but it's not all the same reasoning for it, which I like. There's mm -hmm. a lot of nuance to that. It's not just, well, we partied too much and this is, this is the end result. It was, you know, it's, this is the, this is the vice that got him, the, the, that got her, the, um, the fame is, and, and the, 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 the fame coming to an end, that's what's going to get, uh, Jack Conrad and, um, uh, you know, Manuel Torres, I think is, is more just about like trying to push himself a little too far. All these things. It was he really interesting. Out of Hollywood All that by, stuff was great. Yeah. By, by uh, James McKay or whatever right, his name is. Right. Let's, let's talk about that uh, a little bit. By the way, another great cameo performance. Um, I don't know. Supporting performance by uh, American Treasure Flea in this movie. Yeah, he was really good. Really, was really good. Randomly good mm -hmm. actor. Uh, Flea. Yeah. 
Um, he he should quit. I've always said though, Frusciante <laughs> is the heart of the Chili Peppers. <laughs> Doesn't get it all the, enough credit. You're a Ketis guy though. You were saying no. You were saying no. Just the poetry. Before, <laughs> I was Kiedis before was we started this podcast. I was like beep beep bop beep beep bop beep bop Ketis. <laughs> Anthony Ketis is the meaning of my weedus. Like that's what I said. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that meant, but apparently it means a lot. It's really poetry. Me in my soul. Yeah. I thought the fighting a snake scene was was super funny. I know it was like really random, but I thought it was really funny. <laughs> I'm sorry. I no, was. thought the setup for that was when, awesome. When Eric Roberts was drunk, like, like yeah. talking to the snake, I was dying. I'm sorry. Now I know. I, I really want to, you know, we've said this before with PTA movies and with Tarantino movies are a little more overt, but a lot of these auteurs, they have this thing where they make really funny movies that are only funny two years later. You go, oh, wait, that was, wait, there will be blood is funny. Dude, this, I was like, laughing so much in this. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, that's how I was with Phantom Thread. I was laughing all the way through it like it was a freaking, you know, Adam Sandler movie. Yeah. And then every once in a while it'll click with me and I'll get it in the moment, but not always. Sometimes I'm, I'm slow to it, but I was hit to that one. This one, I was like, I want to watch this in a year or two. Because this movie might be way funnier than I realized. I was kind of watching it as a drama. It's such an interesting thing when you come in as an audience with with intent or or um, expectation or whatever. Mm-hmm. You go, you watch things through a certain lens, and then you remove that with rewatchable rewatches, and then you think, oh, this is a completely different film than I I thought it was. I know PTA has a he's like the king of that, right? You go, oh man, you know. So so many of these movies are funnier than I thought because I thought I was watching mm-hmm. Kurosawa, but I didn't. Yeah, I didn't. This might be that. I think this might be funnier than I. I. I one of my things critiques of it will be as we get to the end of this. Be it's a little self serious, but maybe it's not. It could be. Totally oh, I I disagree. I thought it was yeah so funny. I thought it had a comedic tone throughout. Um, you know, I thought the um. PJ Burns character as the AD going off was 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 super funny. Um I mean it has dark reality to it obviously, but I think just like Tarantino, you know, you can bring do humor and and serious stuff and um I think that's ultimately what happens here. It has a kind of a Tarantino ending. Uh let's mm-hmm. let's kind of fast forward there into what we think. First, I thought the jazz singer sequence was was great too of of Manny going and seeing the jazz singer in New York and that tracking shot of him running out of the theater to call the studio about this being the next big, big wave. I thought that was a really, a really great shot. Um, so the end, I, if the movie had faded out after uh, Jack shoots himself, right? And it just says mm-hmm. directed by Damien Chazelle, I, I would have been fine with that. But I, what I look forward to with his movies is the epilogue. And the way he's ended all of his movies so far has been so memorable that I was wondering what he was going to do here. And so we really follow the character of Manny throughout this because, like we said, Nellie and Jack don't don't really make it. Sydney quits, and um, or yeah, Nellie and Jack don't make it, and then Manny gets run out of Hollywood by Toby Maguire's character, James McKay. Here's who I thought would have been a great cameo. Instead of Tobey Maguire, how great would it have been if that was Leo? 
Yeah. Well, I mean, and you get all the once upon a time in Hollywood cast yeah. in there. I would I say that you could say fun. that for every single Toby Maguire performance <laughs> ever. Sure. Sure. So, you know, yeah. Wonder Boys, how great would that be if that was Leo? <laughs> it's true. Uh, yeah, that was a funny, creepy part. Um, but I say that because at the end here, he gets real on the nose with what he's trying to say, what he's trying to do. You know, I, you can love or hate this. I, I can't disagree with either, uh, you know, opinion on the ending. Hmm. I thought the way it comes back to singing in the rain in the end. And, you know, to have that little sequence in the middle of them singing the song. Obviously, Chazelle super influenced by the singing in the rain with La La Land. Yeah. But like I said, I had no idea his his level of, of love for that, for those types of movies until until I saw this. Um, I love singing in the rain. I think it's masterpiece. It's such a great movie on exactly this, the transition from silent movies to talkies. And it occurred to me when he's sitting in that theater, like, oh my God, this is just the real version of singing in the rain. This is like if singing in the rain was a real story and somebody heard about it back in the day and said, I'm going to make a today's Hollywood version of that story. It would be singing in the rain. Right? So I think Manny going to see that movie has these conflicted feelings of, oh my God, these talkies work and people love them and it's great and it's inspiring and I'm inspired and all this, but also I'm witnessing my own tragedy here. This is my mm. story, how Nellie Leroy's character in Singing in the Rain becomes this joke, you know? It's like, it's not a joke to me. This was my life, right? So I it's think real that, me. that confliction and also that like sense of wonderment at the end, I really, it really connected with me. And I thought Chazelle's shot at the end of pulling back and having all the people in the audience watching the film was, uh, you know, movies, man. He's going there. He's going full Fablemans with this thing. But but that's fine. I love movies. But, I mean, the montage at the end, guys. Hated Brian, it. what did you think? You hated it? I hated it so yeah. much. And, I look, it, it's – I will say it's the same as as holding the title card for 30-plus minutes into the movie. It's a it's a ballsy move and ambitious, and we want – we want our filmmakers to be ambitious at times and all that stuff. So I give credit for the for the concept. I just think it was such a a tightrope to walk that it's like there's it's going to be really hard to watch that montage sequence cuz I'm with you can't like I really dug the the singing in the rain and the like realization of what he was watching yeah. and how this was his real life and the pan to the the crowd and all this stuff. I thought that was great and it just needed to end right there cuz I I think I think it's going to be real hard to watch that montage sequence and come out being like, yeah, that was fine. You're, I, I really think as I was watching, I was like, I think every single person who sees this is going to have a very hard opinion about, yes, that was great. No, that was a freaking abomination. You know, like there was just something about that that was going to be real hard to just kind of quietly land. Um, mm -hmm. So it's an ambitious play. I hated it. And I wish that it would have just ended with, the pan to the crowd and then, you know, uh, you know, a close up of his tears or, or, or whatever. I, I, we would have, I think the movie would have been 
Especially at our, you know, three fifty. Yes, yes. You're we're going, so uh, deep into it this. It just at this seems point. like yeah. cruel. Almost. Yes, seriously. Like, yes. Um, yeah. Same. It's the exact same thought as me. This, yeah. I mean, it's one thing to imply that, like, you know, these are where movies. This is where movies started. This is, uh, you know, this is the root of it all. Essentially, it's another thing to literally show, like. No, this is where Avatar. You know, if it wasn't for this, Avatar wouldn't have come out. Is essentially what it what it was kind of saying. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, I thought it was a beautifully done montage, but again, didn't need it. The end. It felt felt a little. I don't know, breaking the fourth wall in a way. Yeah, which I and uh, and masturbatory in a way. Mm-hmm. For so. sure. So yeah, that was definitely a definitely a choice. I don't know to intersperse it with like the two thousand one like color sequence. Like, is he hallucinating the future of movies? I don't know what <laughs> what was going on there, but um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think there were notes of it that's definitely stuck with me. I mean, this movie's I've thought about it more than I expected to going yeah, in. Same. Um, and I think there's there's some stuff that that blew me away. I thought the the sequence of them editing was awesome of all the edit rooms that they had, and I thought the of them making the actual title cards for the silent movies, like drawing out the text, you yeah. know, like I'd never mm-hmm. seen that before, and that was fascinating to me. Like I don't know, just the behind the scenes stuff of how silent movies were done. I know directors love talking about that. Scorsese did Hugo and all this kind of stuff. You know, it's like a very fun fun time to visit but this might have been like i don't know felt felt real in a way i think them shooting it on film really helped to to bring mm. it into that uh bring it into that time uh, i'm about ready to grade this one what about you guys let's do it all right i'm gonna give this one uh, like a b plus a minus level probably a b plus Question, as you grade yours out, just because you're the Chazelle head, you know, Chazelle nation, Chazelle strong. Mm -hmm. Um, Chazelle up. Chazelle up, yeah. Um, You know, two films of his in a row that both have a ton of quality to them and stuff, but did not connect, right, at large with the zeitgeist. What do you think is next for him, Kent? One more note on this. I might just be blinded by the jazz. Incredible totally. jazz in this movie. Great jazz. Great, great, jazz. great score. Yeah, Hope this good. wins best score. Justin Hurwitz Should. and Chazelle totally are just like, a, a, you know, such a pair. When Chazelle, Chazelle wrote this movie by himself too. Can't believe that. Unbelievable voice. Not only, you know, just for him himself to just have all that dialogue at such a young age is uh, pretty savant-like for him to do and uh said once he turned in this screenplay or finished it he just handed it to Hurwitz and he started writing jazz numbers and they had most of it written when they were on set for them to use on the during the thing another note that I had no idea they recorded the scores for silent movies on set like that yeah with the full orchestra that was amazing Mm -hmm. (laughs) that was awesome but uh god what a freaking great Great score. I love I love Chazelle's love for jazz and for him wanting to include 
a character in this that that was from that world and in that world I thought was was great. But uh, yeah, I don't know what this does for Gis- for uh, Giselle, man. I think uh, it's probably at the point where if he wants to make an eighty million dollar movie, he's going to have to get Apple to or Bezos to pay yeah. for it. You know, that's it's kind of yeah. what I feel. I don't I don't know if there's a, a studio that's going to be. Unless this one wins Best Picture or something. Right. And then sure. he has the justification to do it. But I I just don't... I mean, unless you're Chris Nolan or Quentin Tarantino, I just don't think theatrical exclusive movies are a thing, are going to be a thing much longer. If this had made a ton of money, then he'd, he'd still be in the... still be in the fold, you know? Gets to make another one. But as soon as you... Do a five million dollar Christmas opening weekend. That's uh, that's probably it for you. But I think it might uh, be a good thing where Chazelle can make smaller movies again, make more yeah. Whiplash style movies. Yes. Maybe maybe he yes. needs uh, some restraint. Maybe giving him eighty million dollars is uh, not not what he needs to be doing at large. So we'll see. But uh, B minus for me. What about you, Richard? Yeah, I'm going B minus too. That's your I B mean, plus. B plus, B plus for me. So. I'm B minus. Yeah, I was probably B, B plus with the subject matter, but three and a half hours. Come on, guys. Let's go. <laughs> three hours, nine minutes. Come on. I'll give him. Give him right. it, felt, it felt so much longer. It felt that. long. <laughs> yeah, because of the trailers and stuff. I'm saying I was in there for three hour, three and a half hours. Oh, yeah. Plus, at so. least. So, you know, come on. That's that's worth a demerit. So, you can, you can everyone can hate me all you want, but we're... We're running. We're living in a society here. <laughs> yeah, we got stuff to do. I can't give you a three and a half, Brian. Yeah. Um, I was kind of. I had a really hard time trying to decide, like even like on Letterbox, like what what grade I was going to give it because it. Like I said the stuff that I like. Gosh, so freaking good. Um, just wish it was focused on that stuff more. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go C plus. C plus. Yeah, I'm, I don't think this movie is going to get much love in the awards. We'll see. Um, maybe director or screenplay or um, I, I think a couple it, performances. I, mean, I think it has some legs. I don't think it has best picture legs. No, I don't. I don't think so either. I think it has some technical some technical legs, and and you mentioned the score. Score is great. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't surprise costume this design, like, production design, that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, for sure. And this has been like a. I don't think this has been a great year for. Um, like standout acting performances. So there's a world where some, or, or I don't know, maybe even all, I haven't really looked at, at award races or sat down and like kind of made my own list and okay, what are we, what are we expecting? But there's a world where there's, there's acting nominations for this. I don't think it's, I don't think it's going to generate screenplay or director. I, I don't know, man, it, it's possible that it could be like the tenth movie nominated for Best Picture. Or like, something. I see a world where this could get nominated for everything or nothing. Yeah, <laughs> it's one of sure. those. <laughs> yeah, well, I think it's definitely going to lead to uh, unless it comes, it gets a surprise like oh, ten nominations and looks like it's going to get some wins. Um, he's definitely getting more oversight from now on because you can't you can't make an eighty million dollar movie that makes five million dollars. You can't do that. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I, it's it'll be interesting to see where where all this stuff ends up uh, Oscar wise, but it's a, it's a bit of a disappointment for me. This is the worst movie by by a long stretch, in my opinion. So. 
Let's yeah, see. but it's entering the. I mean, for me, it's like his worst movies a B plus, and that's yeah. I'm, no, I'm no, no. I mean, it's, you know, like I'm still on all yeah. all in on Chazelle. Mm-hmm. I think he's he's 37 years old. I mean, unbelievable talent that's done a lot of sure, a lot of incredible, oh, sure. great yeah. work. You know, Oscar winning work already. So, yeah, I, look, I, I would put it. I would put it this way: it's it's this and First Man combined, which I was a little underwhelmed by First Man as well. Good movie, but not not as not what we I think we were hoping for, um, at least me personally. But um, it's not going to stop me from. Oh, he's got a new movie coming out. No thanks, I'm out. Or even like, nah, I'm I'm real nervous about it. It's but it's not gonna quite be the same <laughs> next time we get the next movie announced. But like, I'm gonna be like, oh right, but he did uh, he did come. I don't know. I don't know. Should I be over the moon excited or should I just be like, yeah, okay, cool. We'll we'll see what happens. I I don't know. And not that it's not like he's uh, you know, like oh crap, Brian Gill doesn't doesn't isn't excited for my movies anymore. It's just. It's a, I feel a little bit disappointed for where we're at with him, given how we started with those first two movies. But he's 37, so I'm sure there's plenty of good to come, you know. 100%. 100%. Excited to see what's next. Hope it's something awesome. But we'll be there to watch it, Damien. All right, let's move on and hit a, rec- a weekly recommend. Weekly recommend. All right, what you got for us, uh, Richard? Yeah, I'm pulling up my my Audible here. So I wanted to do a quick. Um, I'm trying to think. I'm I'm deciding which we do. I've got a book that I loved. It's one of my favorites of, of 2022. I'm reckoning. It's called We Don't Know Ourselves. It's a kind of personal and macro history of um, Ireland. Um in in the 20th century and, and everything that, that entails. Um it's by that's why I was pulling it up. Why did I um Fenton O'Toole, but it's a really, really cool it, it won a bunch of awards this year as the best like nonfiction book of the year. It's a great look. Um because it is Irish, um it does come for free on any Apple device, um, like it or not. It's um you know whether it's audible part of the deal, or right. part of the deal. No, it's a great, great book. And uh, I know, Brian, you liked the Bono book a lot. I think mm-hmm. he really loved this book. I think um, you would find a lot of interest about it because there's a lot of stuff, you know, obviously with the with the Troubles and a, a myriad of different things in 20th century where Ireland is kind of at the crosshairs in a lot of ways. And I don't know, like crosshairs, it seems like sort of victimization, but like they're, they're in the, they're involved. And mm-hmm. uh, I think you would dig it. So yeah, Sweet. that's mine. We don't know ourselves by Fenton O'Toole. Awesome. What you got, Brian? Audible wish list. That's good. Um, I watched the TV show uh, over a couple of days, and uh, that I can't remember if you if one of y'all recommended it or not. Yeah, Full House. You guys seen it? Um, Mm -mm. Fuller House. I have not hilarious. Uh, Yeah, I haven't Uh, done the prequel yet. I've only done the Fuller House. (laughs) The prequel. Um. I I watched the bear over this. Nice. This last, oh my like, god! Weekend. You did? You finally watched it? Finally watched it. How good is that show, man? Might be the best show of the year, man. Like, <laughs> holy crap! Um, so intense. And so great good. acting. Uh, the pacing is insane. It the feels food, like though. yeah. Oh yeah, so good. <laughs> like it feels like if, um. 
You know how like Richard, what speed do you listen to on Audible? What's your what's your speed at this point? Yeah, two point uh, anywhere between one point eight and two point two, depending on the okay. narrator. Yeah. I'm like one point five, one point seven, something like that. Oh, but, you finally came along. Yeah. I didn't know you okay. finally yeah. You know, I listen I think I thought I told you We're this. We're not maybe psychos. I, I don't do podcasts that those, no, those people are weird. I don't either. I what but it was books? was I listened to a book last year at some point, and I don't even totally remember which Oh, it was that um maybe it was the year before. It was the the Ibrahim uh the how to be an racist. Yeah. Uh <laughs> yeah. and he great is a very good reader. The slowest reader I've ever heard in my yeah. entire life. And so I like pumped it up a whole bunch and then I just kind of left it at that. And every once in a while I increase. Uh the bear is like the opposite of that. It's like if somebody <laughs> took a sorkin and then like slowed it down to like 0.9 or something. It's just like a slightly slower, but yeah. still super intense, heavy dialogue. Everything's moving all the time. Um, kind of show. And uh gosh, <laughs> like all the acting is so good. And, and that, um, I want to live in that Chicago. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and like, gosh, look, food on TV and movies <laughs> is just another world. I can't wait for smell o vision or, or whatever, but yeah. uh, looked in, looks incredible. Probably the best looking food the bear, since uh, the sh- since Yeah, Shaft, we watched it. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah, okay. we enjoyed it. Freaking loved yeah. it. I, I, I This was a great year for TV. Um, Better Call that Saul was great. Unreal. Andor was great. Yeah. Uh, Rings of Power was great. Um, the White Lotus. Uh, I hated White Lotus. I hated it. I couldn't. Oh, I couldn't really? Do it. I yeah, it. couldn't do it. I mean, I watched it all, but I hated it. I hated <laughs> every minute of it. Great Sesame um, Street season. Yeah, Severance was incredible. Uh, yeah. Stranger Things. Like there were so many great TV shows. Uh, so for this to even, especially such a late entry, for it to even be um like in in the running for uh, it. It was awesome. Eight episodes. They're half hours each. Yeah, uh, you just too. like power through them super fast. So Lindsay and I were like, hey, we'll watch one. We're just going to watch one episode because we finished up whatever other show we were watching. We'll watch one episode and then she's going to go to bed. And we ended up watching like four, you know, and then came back the next night. To fin- it, it ruled. I loved it so much. I can't wait. I love the ending. It was yeah, such a fun, cry cool, like hopeful. A and it, same. I like was sobbing. It was so good. Yeah. And uh, and I, I'm so pumped for whatever it's whenever season two is gonna roll around. FX is back, man! Like <laughs> great FX shows this year. I'm so pumped. It's, Atlanta, it's, great season makes two. me happy. Yeah, good stuff. Speaking Loved it. Life. Loved the bear. So definitely, everyone good, told me it was great, and you were all right. It was it was incredible. Man, I'm so happy. I'm. It sucks that you snuck that in with. Now it's the second thing I'm most happy about because I'm. I was telling you about the bear. And I knew you would love it, and you loved it. That feels great. But it feels even more great after giving me so much crap for speeding up my audibles. And I was like, it's not the same as speeding up podcasts. Those people are psychopaths. This is not conversation. It's people reading. You can speed it up. And trust me, once you do, you can't go back because everyone sounds like they're in slow-mo. Totally. And you're like, you're an idiot. Yeah. I was right. Two for two. Great year for Arby, baby. I'm back. Arby's back and FX is back. Let's go. Awesome. Good like, stuff, man. I like it. Uh, I'm going to recommend, uh, how about some junk TV, guys? You like junk TV? Brian likes oh, junk man. TV. Sure. Bachelor's I crush so um, much my unorthodox life. Are you guys my unorthodox life fans on Netflix? No. This is in the mood for junk. This is hitting the junk TV niche for, Shabbat, for the wife and I uh, currently. Because uh, we were subjected to cruise television, where it's <laughs> yeah 
just all stuff hooked. that you don't know what it is and it might be good, it might be bad. Most of it's probably bad. You know, a lot of a lot of canceled sitcoms. I watched yeah. I watched a bunch of episodes of that show with Matt LeBlanc, Man with a Plan. You know, that was randomly <laughs> on a bunch. That was me yeah. on a cruise years it's ago like, with two man, broke this is girls. Very odd. I watched Kevin like Nealon and Matt LeBlanc were just at a show together, and that was a thing. <laughs> so watch that. But um, my wife had never been subjected to the world of nine one one guys. Oh yeah. Fox. <laughs> is this the watch this. the Texas Lone one Star with Rob Lowe? This is not one. Nine one one Lone Star. I was I was really into that. And I kept adding it to our library. My wife's like, "Can you stop adding this Rob Lowe nine one one show?" I was like, it? "Babe, That's... it's it's my guilty pleasure. Trust me, you'll <laughs> like it." And uh, and then we, we when when we uh, saw nine one one on the cruise, when we got home, she's like, "Can you add the seasons of nine one one?" So we're like super into that. Angela That's Bassett, Jennifer Love Hewitt. Yeah, Jennifer Love yeah. Hewitt, Angela Bassett. Okay, uh, I'm interested in that. Oh yeah, yeah I'm it's in. just I'm in on Bassett. It's like a tsunami has hit LA, and it's like <laughs> yeah. the zoo. All the animals have been let out of the zoo, and they're running right. wild. It's like the right. most ridiculous, like <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, yeah. procedural. St- <laughs> like what one episode is. Kind of all you need, you know, there's not really a lot of through storylines, serialized stuff. Dag shows up, you know, it's great. Oh, now we're talking. Yeah. (laughs) Now we got a stew going. Yeah. So, yeah, just uh, watch and uh, eventually Dag will show up. So that's the only teaser. That's the only teaser you need. What I say about every show ever to exist. (laughs) That's true. That's true. Yeah. You guys watch Stranger Things? Okay. Well, in season six, Dag's going to show up and you're going to just be so in. I know I'm. I, I mean, I just turned 35 this year, or in 2022. I mean, I'm fully in on like CBS content now. Like, I'm <laughs> I'm the demo. I'm like, man, FBI. Oh, cool. Yeah, new Hawaii Five O season. Sweet. You know, like, <laughs> God, I'm old. It's officially we, time. We got to just make the DAG streaming yeah. content, where it's just procedural shows with, with David Allen Greer. That'd be a lot of shows. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, a lot of content. I, we watched it. We were watching it. I was like, "Oh, I didn't know Tag was in this." And my wife's like, "Are you serious?" I'm like, "Yes, I'm serious. I freaking love Tag rules." It's like, "Oh, it's just, just didn't know." We're like, not this podcast is you know three weeks from being ten years old. We're like nine years in on the Dag pro yeah. pro yeah. Dag bit, and a long time. I don't regret a thing. Dagasons is officially we're officially kind of <laughs> in it. Like, yeah. We have willed that into existence. All right, nine one one slash nine one one Lone Star. Some good junk TV for you. There you go. There's the weekly recommends, and there's a Babylon talk. So we hope mm. you enjoyed it. But if you want more from us, we have a VIP feed, <laughs> which we record an episode right after this for that feed. This week we're wrapping up our Denzel retrospective. Mm. Some final thoughts on Denzel's filmography. And all of that kind of stuff. So if you've been tuning into that on the VIP feed, we'll wrap it up here after this. So madaboutmoviespodcast.com slash VIP gets you access to that. And that's the best way to support the show, donate to the show, make sure we keep doing shows, that kind of thing. And uh, check that out, madaboutmoviespodcast.com slash VIP. Hope you find something you enjoy over there. All right. For Kent... I'm uh, or for Brian, Richard, I'm Kent. <laughs> and uh, we'll see you next time. How about Richard, movies? I'm out. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling. Toss salads and scrambled eggs. 
And maybe I seem a bit confused Yeah, maybe, but I got you pegged <laughs> But I don't know what to do with those tossed salads and scrambled eggs They're calling again Scrambled eggs all over my face 